Welcome to episode 72 of Oscar Podcast. I'm here with Craig Kennedy and from Awards Daily TV and Ryan Adams and me, Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. And we're bringing you uh, year 2011 when the artist uh, won Best Picture. Um, uh, it was its own its only real competition that year was uh, Martin Scorsese's Hugo. Um, but, but that being an effects-driven film... Um, voters do what they often do which is rubber band back to the more traditional very traditional um option and we're also going to talk about we're going to talk a little bit about the race as it stands right now in the post telluride um atmosphere i suppose you could say that because we took a hiatus while you were in telluride and we haven't really caught up about that and we didn't really hear your telluride telluride report yet Right, right, and and anybody who follow follows along on Awards Daily already knows, you know, what the Telluride report is. Basically, that um, for the past uh, what is it, five years, six years, seven years, something like that, since Oscar changed the date, the Best Picture winner has usually been seen before Telluride or at Telluride or just after. The latest that we have is uh, The Departed, which opened in October and won Best Picture. That's the only one that wasn't seen either at Cannes or opened before or at Telluride, um, Telluride Toronto to win to win Best Picture since about 2003. So it's about 10 years ago, actually. Mm-hmm. The last film to really win and as a late release was Clint Eastwood's Million Dollar Baby. So the odds are we've already seen our Best Picture winner. That's what that's what our history tells us. Now there are so many films coming up that it's hard to believe that. And in fact, last year, 2012, after Telluride, Argo was the film everybody loved. It, and but but people thought, no, you know, there's so many great movies coming. There's no way Argo's going to win. Some people thought, oh yeah, it's going to be Argo because it's about Hollywood. But most people didn't really feel that. It felt like an underdog, and that's a great position to be in right after Telluride. The last place you want to be in is first place because that's usually when you get knocked out. Um, remember, the Oscar race is like carrying the kid past the alien. You can't mm-hmm. awaken the alien. You have to sneak past. Argo and, got enough acclaim. It got every, Everyone loved it. There's really nothing not to like about it, First, especially the first time you see it. It's an, it's an enjoyable movie. Mm-hmm. And it also, once you get in uh, early like that, you kind of you can run the gauntlet. And, and if there is going to be any, any uh, attack or undermining going on, you have time to, to um, uh, respond to that. Yeah, and, but, and mainly it, people but, aren't going to attack it because they don't feel it's a threat. And that's the yeah. same with the year we're about to talk about, which is 2011, with the artist. The artist was anything but a threat. It felt like the movie everybody liked but not big enough to win until it kind of started to see in that yeah you know people aren't going to vote for anything else everybody loves this movie this is what everybody's talking about um and what you what you tend to look at is the negative ratings on a film this is pretty consistent um, with some exceptions like chicago is an exception and crash is an exception but you look for the negative rating the lower the rating the better the chances and argo had a very low negative rating so did the artist it's almost barely there um, 12 Years a Slave had hardly any negative reviews and Boyhood this is the film I think is in the top spot right now has like maybe four maybe even just one negative review or something like that on Rotten Tomatoes it's it's incredibly low meaning you can't hate it 
right? That's what the Oscar race is about now. That's the new normal. You can't hate it. It's a little puppy, you know, that you can't kick because people feel sorry for it. It's the little movie that could, right? And ar- the artist literally has a little puppy in it. <laughs> so, I mean, if you kick the artist, you're kicking Oogie. <laughs> and, you know, how could you? How could you? You say that, but it was actually true. Like, people really did feel that way. Like the, I know. The, any seriously. criticism of it was criticism of the dog. Yeah, he was on the red carpet and everything. They brought the goddamn dog to the Academy screening. <laughs> oh. Poor little thing was sitting there shaking, and everybody was trying to touch it. It's the worst. God. I remember but, you that. Know, that, that. That's the only interesting thing to me about the artist. I mean, it, it was a fine movie. I, it was enjoyable. I liked watching it. it. It had no business ever being chosen Best Picture, but it was my first opportunity to see the Harvey Weinstein machine in action because he introduced the Academy screening, and I kind of had a feeling about it that night because, A, the movie was extremely well-received, but just the sales pitch that he basically gave the audience before he... He um, before the the movie screened, he he had this whole story of it, the the the, the artist story to go along with the movie itself about how, you know, he was he, he was being kind of humble and how crazy he was to be spending all of this yeah. money on a black and white silent picture oh, from France. You know, right, he was right. already developing this narrative for the voters about why they were going to love this movie the way he did and 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 end up. And, and end up voting for it, and they did. And it just, it, it, it seemed even at the time, even even before we knew that it was going to work, it still seemed very wily. He took he took all of the things about the movie that were the movie's negatives, and that, that were going to be the hard hard sell to, to the audience, which was the silent and the black and white, and he turned them into advantages. Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. he trotted out. A chaplain, didn't he? Like Geraldine Chaplin's daughter, or something. Like yeah, that. a couple, the couple of them. Yeah, a couple of chaplains, and they, yeah. Yeah, the, to, I forgot talk, about that. To, to, that was huge. That was like to, to really a chaplain to talk about um, silent movies and to celebrate silent films. He talked about the Oscar whisperer. That guy, he knows. You know, he knows exactly how to wind them up. I, absolutely, hundred percent true. And the dog. I mean, how do you not? I really think that what sunk Lewin Davis was the cat. Because because the cat got hit by a car. Yeah, and he locked that cat. He left the cat in that right, car. Right. And that if they didn't like him before that, that was the moment where they really turned on him, the audience. Um, but the dog, no, it's just I. And honestly, I'm a dog lover, as Craig knows. Walking around can with me, I'm practically obsessed with dogs. I love them so much. And uh, yes, so Uggy was. <laughs> incredibly charming he's so great in the artist he is that movie right john dujardin is fantastic too come on we got to give the guy props and well since you can't train uggy to do what jean dujardin was doing they had to be the other way around jean dujardin had to do what the dog was doing so really uggy was leading those scenes he was the lead actor in those scenes oh my god and, 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 and the actor was just the human actor was just responding to him and mimicking the dog i know and he and he when he shoots the gun and the dog faints <laughs> the dog get the dog leads him back when the the thing is burning the house is burning like you craig when you say it had no business winning best picture you're so right i mean it really does sort of speak to the way things are in hollywood now that it did win best picture because in any other year um i mean we all talk about we joke about what would happen if argo 
the artist and the king's speech were all up in the same year which one would win you know like mm. these are all movies that people just loved um but especially the king's speech and the artist the two weinstein films um what would win between those two it's a, that's a toss-up i still think the artist would win my guess because of the dog i think the dog trumps all I, yeah, and also it, did, it was just—it was just pure to, to me. Not, it was a pure gimmick, but it was a really—it was a really compact, tidy, neat uh, gimmick without any any um, glitches. It was—it was a real simple, basic gimmick, and I thought that it would be a lot when we started hearing about it because you saw it in in, in Cannes, right? You saw it at the mm-hmm. Cannes Film Festival that yeah. year sure. in May, and, and so mo- everyone was talking about what a little charmer it was. And I thought, no, oh, this will be a like, cute little fun movie, and I was really looking forward to it. And, and over the months, it just kept, I kept hearing more and more about it, and I thought, well, this must be just really, really witty and clever and, and really sophisticated, which in reality it was not very witty or sophisticated. <laughs> it, was still, it was just really simple. It was a really simple thing, but it was simple. It was so simple that it that it didn't make any missteps. It didn't step off on the wrong foot at all. I know, and they were so. I mean, when they did the junket in L.A., the um, the the artist people. Craig, you went to that with me, didn't you? The the artist. I didn't. Oh yeah, um, they were like not ass kissers. That's what I thought was so funny about them. Berenice Bejo and um, Michelle Hazanovich. Just like they didn't even seem to care if the movie won the Oscar. Like it wasn't. They weren't hoping it would win or anything, and they weren't going to kowtow to the press. They did what they had to do, but their attitude was so funny. Like, they just thought, like, well, what's the big deal? <laughs> like, why mm. is everybody trying to, you know, I guess because if you're from France, as you know from being in Cannes, people don't even think about or care about the Oscars over there. In Cannes, it's like that is something people do not discuss other than us, you know, we would discuss it, but it, it is already so... triumphed at Cannes. It won Best Actor at Cannes. Right. right? No, it, it was huge. Yeah. It was the it was the hit of Cannes, and and actually yeah. at Telluride, even though it had already played Cannes, it was the film everybody was talking about at Telluride too. Mm-hmm. So it it kept carrying through, and it because it was the first chance that Americans who didn't go to Cannes got to see it. We'd heard about it all summer long. We'd heard about what a charmer it was, but mm-hmm. I think Telluride was the first time that a, an American audience who hadn't stepped outside of them. America's borders the first time yeah. we got to see it but it was absolutely 100% finessed by Weinstein and if it hadn't been for them um, I don't think it was going to win but also it had, didn't have any competition so let's look at the best picture race this is the first year since this is really complicated um, egghead stuff coming up here but I'll try to explain it as simply as I can which is that when the Oscars traded up from 5 to 10 that was in 2008 no 2009 after The Dark Knight failed to get nominated they wanted to open up the best picture field so they gave voters 10 options for uh, best film of the year 10 you could fill in 10 right Mm -hmm. Uh, that went on for 2010 or 2009 and 2010 this year that we're talking about right now 2011 they went back to five because voters were complaining that they didn't want to pick 10 they only wanted to pick five so what they did was they had voters each pick five and they picked the five movies that that would be best picture and then they picked the movies that were getting extra votes and so mm-hmm. and so they had to far, cross a certain threshold in order to 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 be counted to be yeah. to earn enough votes to be a best picture nominee. But these are still films that would be on your average voters top 5, not top yeah. 10, and that makes a difference because here's here's the biggest difference. Two things have happened since then, um, since they had 10. 
and not since they have five slots for nominations and not ten, no more animated films for Best Picture. When there were ten, um, two nominated films got in each year. Less films about women. No films, hardly, well, one, directed by a woman. Um, but as opposed to the years where they had ten, they had many more options, which was lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, this year, everybody was shocked that... Um, <clears throat> extremely loud and incredibly close got in and Warhorse got in. Warhorse was bad. <laughs> and so was Let's ex- not have this fight again, shall we? <laughs> no, we're not. But I'm just saying, like, for a typical Academy movie, it wouldn't be considered. But what it had, what it needs to have now in the nine is emotional impact. And that's what makes the difference. So you, you're not going to get a movie like the dragon tattoo in there because as good as it was even if it got great reviews it wouldn't matter if it doesn't pull you in your heartstrings you're gonna have a hard time getting in um for best picture so not just heartstrings but but an emotional reaction a strong emotional reaction that's what you're gonna see now in with five nomination ballots as opposed to ten you don't have the option of of just picking something it all has to usually lead from your heart and your five best films of the year so enough people were wowed by warhorse to put it in there and the same and with, emotionally moved by it i think there were plenty of people who were probably emotionally moved by warhorse too i, I think just, you could just be backed up what you're emotionally saying. moved by it and still think yeah. it's not a great movie um yeah. but extremely loud and incredibly close was like the blind side it had the actors and it had one acting nomination and Best Picture, just like The Blind Side. And, um, the and it had a literary pedigree. It had a really good pedigree, and it had um, um, the director, Stephen Daldry. Yeah. So you're seeing ten very, nine very sentimental films here. The Artist, Tree of Life, The Descendants, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, The Help, Hugo, Midnight in Paris, Moneyball, War Horse. Of all these, Moneyball is the least emotionally wrought of them. Um, it's kind of startling to see that lineup because you really can see how voters are voting and why and what for. Um, that is interesting to me to look at. <clears throat> Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy didn't get in um, because that's that's you know obviously not a film where it had a lot of really great reviews. It wasn't a film that had uh, emotional impact. Bridesmaids. What average Academy voter is going to put Bridesmaids in their top five? Not many. Hmm. Um, so you always have to think about top five when you're thinking about things now. Ides of March didn't get in, and Dragon Tattoo didn't get in. And that's what I'm thinking about this year could be interesting because a lot of films this year, while good, while great even, don't necessarily have that heart light about them. Uh, Foxcatcher is one. Birdman is another. Um, Gone Girl is probably going to be like that. And... Um, uh, inherent vice certainly and so what you're probably going to see more of it's very possible that these movies might not even get in at all for best picture Foxcatcher might miss even though if it had 10 it would probably get in um but there's a really and i think that uh, girl with a dragon tattoo was probably the movie that was on the cusp i think that it was because of the fact that fincher got a um, dga nominee nomination and dragon tattoo got a uh, nomination from the producers guild so yeah, it was I know, right there. So, but it, could be, the, it was. It was probably. Problem. It would have been number ten had there been ten movies. No, that's what I thought too. Because mm-hmm. I used mm-hmm. to track them by guild support. But what mm-hmm. I figured out was that it's not necessarily the case. It doesn't matter, um, because what you're talking about with the Academy is six thousand people who aren't directors, 
Um, the Producers Guild, they have 10 slots for voters. Mm-hmm. They don't have right. five. Yeah. Uh, DGA has five, so that's your closest comparison. But um, but I think that Dragon Tattoo wasn't... It, it didn't stand a chance in this kind of setup. And I think that the, the fall-off films were going to be more like movies that, you know, that did kind of turn on the heart light as opposed to a movie that didn't. So, mm-hmm. anyway, that's what we're looking at now. That's since then we've had 9 nominees for best picture. That's 2011, 2012, 2013, 9. And in almost all the cases that's you see the same kind of thing, films that that are very strong on emotion. Um, so you always have to look at that and remember that. Actors and emotion are the two things that drive the best picture race now. As opposed Love and to, a bit with a dog. Yeah, because back in the day they had five and they were strong um, strong on director. Director was always your main influencer, but things are changing. And that's, you know, Ben Affleck helped to dispel a little bit of that, the, the no need for a director thing. Um, so anyway, that, that that's what happened. The main, out of Telluride that year, the movie that everybody thought was in number one spot was The Descendants. And The Descendants came out very big out of Telluride. A lot of publicity. Um, a lot of people had it as their number one choice, just like kind of like up in the air. But the artist was hovering behind it as the good movie, quote unquote. And The Descendants started to get attacked because it was in the front spot. Um, and then Hugo came along. And Hugo, like uh, a lot of Martin Scorsese movies, was it, it, it played at the New York Film Festival... And it it got kind of mixed reviews. Then it opened here. People started screening it, and then people started falling in love with it and falling in love with it. And for a while there, it looked like Hugo might be the movie that took on the artist. But the difference between those two movies is that the artist did what Hugo did, but it did it on a low-tech level, on a profitable, low-money. Hugo cost a lot of money, and that was probably Hugo's problem. Hugo, and it was well, it was it was publicized a lot that Hugo not only cost a lot of money, but it cost more than it was expected to cost. Yeah, exactly. Um, because Scorsese was a perfectionist, and he was the first time he'd ever done used 3D, mm-hmm. and he was still he was still not only still learning, but still experimenting, and he wanted to 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 do something really extraordinary, and so they gave him the leeway to to, to splurge on it, and he did. And I think the results are are spectacular, but it, but that the the money thing was a really a, people were were really aware of it. There was a lot of awareness about the financial aspect of the fact that not that the artist was very successful either. It only earned four hundred forty million dollars domestic, I right, think. Right. But it didn't have to make a lot because it was so inexpensive to make. Right. Exactly. That's the thing is they don't care if you don't nowadays. They used to. They don't anymore since the Hurt Locker. They don't care if you make not a, a lot of money but they don't want you to lose money like that's that's just considered and 44 million is perfectly respectable for a best picture winner now yeah and for a movie that only cost 15 it's really it's very respectable and and worldwide it made it did it, it did really well i think you know considering that it only cost 15 or so you know to right. i think it, it returned on its investment on on the Weinstein's investment overall was probably probably satisfactory to them they didn't right. expect it to make a lot of money. They didn't even release it until, until when? Until the Thanksgiving, I think, came out on Thanksgiving Day. And um, it only made Hugo only made like seventy something million domestic, and uh, War Horse made only seventy um, something domestic. So it wasn't a big this year. Uh, your biggest box office um, uh, bonanza here was probably the Help, right? With didn't it wasn't like a two hundred million dollar. 
Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, it just kept going and going and going. It was the Energizer Bunny that summer because yeah. when I, I know the, the, the afternoon matinee when I saw it, the theater was packed with, with groups of women who had read the book and it all came together. Right. It was like that, that audience really was like 95% women. Yeah. Released on August 10th and it made almost $170 million. Wow. Mm -hmm. I mean, isn't it funny? You'd think that given that, they would make more movies starring women and they don't. Yeah, yeah, and I think maybe they are. But I think that the, the, the pipeline situation is, a, is still catching up to the realization of the reality. You know, I think that maybe they will start doing or start doing that. I think that they are. I think with movies like Frozen and um, what other movie has, has it been this year that there's a big hit among with women? Well, the. Um uh, well, there's Lucy. There's Lucy's the Mal only uh, Maleficent, Maleficent, for instance. Yeah, and and yeah. the Hunger Games. So mm -hmm. um, this year was very uh, interesting. Midnight in Paris was like Woody was back. He, you know, it made it that made a lot of money. I think um, it was. It's still considered his biggest moneymaker. I think, right? Midnight in Paris. I think so. Yeah, it was the it was the it was the movie that really made him a multi multi millionaire after all these years. Yeah. Um, I remember strongly advocating for Moneyball and a lot of people underestimating it and thinking it wouldn't get in. Um, that's a great movie, and I, of all the ones I'm looking at, I'm it's really proud of it. classy and sophisticated and slick on almost the same level that Social Network is. It's, it's one of those movies that just everything is just um, very smooth and, and seamless and, and talk, talk about witty and, and snappy. And it's Sorkin. Again, it's Sorkin, you know, this... Um, in the screenplay. Yeah, right, right. And um Midnight in Paris made almost fifty seven million. His next closest is Hannah and her sisters, which made forty in nineteen eighty six. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, it was it was really beloved. Um another surprise which I thought was interesting was um Terrence Malick and the Tree of Life, which as I recall, it came out of Cannes with mixed reviews, I think. I, maybe I'm remembering wrong. Yeah, it did. I mean, there, there were the hardcore who, who love everything Malik does, and they, they swooned for it. But there was a lot of grumbling about it because it had all that, the weird dinosaur stuff and the weird outer space stuff. It kind of left people scratching their heads. Yeah. But it, it had Brad Pitt, and, it, and, it, and the, the human family story, I think, kind of helped ground it but yeah it was it was definitely a, a mixed response to it if you can't explain what a movie is about in two or three sentences it's never going to win best picture and know, it's but, impossible um, to sum up tree of life to, to summarize what not only what it what it's about but what it's trying to do and you, the more you try to explain it to someone who hasn't seen it the more strange it's going to sound so it's it's just not the kind of movie i'm just i'm just really grateful that it was even nominated for best picture but it even though it was my Looking back, it's my favorite movie of the year. I, there, I knew there was never a, a chance in, in hell that it was going to win. No, but I remember yeah. Ann Thompson predicting it um, early on, predicting him for Best Director and the film for Best Picture. She was one of the few out on a limb who knew it would get in, and that was a smart, a smart call by her. Very, very smart. And you know what? Mm -hmm. That's one of the Academy's prouder moments as nominated. That film. Mm -hmm. It really, that really is. Sick. And I do think that there are that there really are that twenty five percent of the Academy who are really smart about knowing art when they see it, knowing artistic film when they see it, and not letting it get away unnoticed and unrecognized. Right. And? I was pausing because I thought Craig was about to say something, so I didn't want to step on his toes. But... I will say that I, I, I'm more fond of Warhorse than you are, Sasha, and I know, Craig, you really liked it quite a lot, and so we, we don't want to let 
we don't want to give the impression that we all hated War Horse because I have a lot of respect for it. Well, I, I do know. think that if you just look it. at it on the surface level, as and you don't think about it as 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 a movie that is actually I I regard it as a movie that makes a, a comment and, and uh, on. On movies of the 1950s and 60s, instead of one that tries to duplicate, I think it is one a movie that is almost an experimental film in some ways. I thought it was a beautiful movie in a lot of ways. I was only personally offended by the um, the only thing that bothered me about that movie, other than the ending, which you know it's not worth talking about. I mean, mm. I don't hate it. At that time, I was kind of caught up with Jeff Wells, and we were in this weird loop of hating on Warhorse. And I look back at that, and I think, how? Why? Why was I even doing that? Like, why did what in the world possessed me to talk about that movie like that? It was so you hated Tintin that year too. You had a really you you had a really big problem with Spielberg that year. Tintin, I still hate. I don't hate Warhorse though, but Tintin, I will never. The thing about Warhorse is when he, what's the word where you make animals have people um, traits? Anthropomorphism. That's yeah. the thing that bothered me because I, and so did Spielberg. You know, he raised his family raises horses. I grew up with horses, and I love horses, and I love them on their own, and I don't feel the need to anthropomorphize them. That was the part of it that bothered me. But looking back on it, it's it's such a harsh blow to a, a very sweet, well-intentioned movie that, that really did nothing but bring uplift to people's lives. There's no point in complaining about a film like that, really. So um, I don't. I would never carry that to my grave as like. But I don't. Do I think it's a great movie? No. Do I? Do I think it's a great movie? No, I don't. But it's it's a it's a beautiful movie nonetheless, and it's better than The Help. Although I liked The Help a lot. Okay, uh-huh. extremely loud. Now there's a terrible film. <laughs> okay, yeah, we can agree there. I think we can all agree that it, I don't even I don't even understand how it was nominated. I don't know what people were seeing who 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 put yeah. that on their ballot. All I know is Stephen Daldry is really popular um, mm-hmm. in the actors branch. And that's something to remember this year because Stephen Daldry has um, trashed this year, right? I don't know. I haven't heard anything about that. Like, it's just like the weird movie that sort of disappeared off the map. It was there and then it was gone. So I don't know. Yeah, we know so little about it. I don't even want to try to presume or, or, or even imagine what it might be like. My gut feeling is it doesn't look like it's going to be anything. I think but, it's going to get might... bumped to next year. That's my gut feeling on it. Mm. I would have heard more about it by now. I think it's going to get bumped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe they didn't get the reaction they expected to get from that from that teaser trailer. I think it had a test screening and people were really negative on it, and I hate uh, that. Yeah. I hate that test screenings matter, but they do. Yeah. Um. But in the way that it, it, it may be a smart move financially, if they know there's not going to be a, an, 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 in the Oscar race, then why throw it into that mess? Why make it even fight that fight if it's not going to win? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what a lot of these studios are thinking this year. It feels like it feels like when I was pregnant with Emma and I my due date passed and the week <laughs> was going on and I was like, wow. oh my god, this baby! I've got to get this baby out. I feel like they're <laughs> waiting to the last minute, and I don't understand that. Like Fury, Wicked, um, Unbroken, and uh, they're all just like waiting and waiting. And, and and history has shown me maybe this year will be different, but history has shown me that those light breakers they they can't do much you know they certainly can't win they can mm-hmm. they can maybe they don't care about winning maybe it's as you say they don't care they just want the oscar buzz so they can make a lot of money at the box office get in get out be done with it you know maybe it doesn't not even about winning the awards maybe they don't even care anymore like you just said the talk is you know there's no no news is bad news and and, and just you know if, as long as you spell my name right you know 
just that kind of thing. As yeah. long as the publicity machine is in gear, churning out people talking about your movie, that maybe is the most important right. thing to to some studios. Maybe, maybe that's the difference between fifty million and one hundred and fifty million is Oscar buzz, but maybe mm. they don't really they're not in it to win it. And maybe they're all thinking, yeah, Boyhood's got this thing sewn up, but we just want to get in, get our money, and get out, you know? Uh-huh. And, or maybe there may be, there maybe studios are having the same feeling that we're having, is that this year seems really nebulous, and it seems like that we're usually able to pin things down and have more confidence about what we're talking about at this point in the year than, than we than we. We ordinarily have more confidence in, that's than what we do this keep year. Saying, but I don't think that's true. Remember 2012 when Zero Dark Thirty was coming out late, and even last year, Wolf of Wall Street was a latecomer. All that really matters is your place is being held in line, and a lot of these movies, their place is being held, so all they have to do is meet and surpass expectations. And they're mm -hmm. in, you know? Yeah, another thing, too, that we've noticed is sometimes what really gets heartbreaking is when there are 12 or 13 movies that we think might be vying for Best Picture because we know that they can't all possibly be. But this year, looking at the field, maybe there are only 9 or 10 best possible, you know, likely reasonable Best Picture no nominees, and so they know they're all going to get in. I remember yeah. last year it was like one great film after another. It's like, boom, it's great. Or the Zero mm -hmm. Dark Thirty or 2012. Boom, it's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. All these great movies. And it's still rubber banded back to the safe choice out of Telluride, yeah. which was our I think there's going to be some really, really good movies this year. There's, I'm not saying this movie this year is not going to be strong, but I'm saying the bench is not really deep. The right. bench for the best picture, not likely best picture candidates, is not deep this year. And so, if you're in the running at all, you're going to get in. You're going to be nominated, and the nomination is what matters to the studios. Right, right, and that's the thing. Is it's, it's. I mean, I think from my perch here, it's really hard to rally support with the thousands of voting members of the industry. Like, not to mention SAG. My God, SAG is like. You know, they have to get all that those screeners to the nominating committee. It's always late. You know. Um, to get a best picture, you really you can't be late with SAG. You know, you got to be right there. They got to mm -hmm. have those screeners. They got to have had screenings and met the celebrities and everything. Like, there's so much PR that goes on. Sort of like trying to win the election without hitting uh, hitting um, Iowa. Since you mentioned screeners, can we back up just a little bit and talk about the difference between the artist and Hugo as far as the screener experience goes? I know that all the Academy members have the opportunity and the access to go see Hugo in a big theater with a state-of-the-art projection and sound if they wanted to, but that doesn't mean that they all do or, or can or will. When you compare what Hugo and the artist look like on television, the artist will look good on a black-and-white TV a cathode ray TV, it'll look good on a 17-inch black and white TV from 1970. The artist will still look good. The Hugo really needs a big screen, and you need the glasses. You need it in 3D. You need the... It just doesn't even... It, I saw the screener, and the screener looked muddy to me. The, the colors weren't vivid. Yes. Hugo has a really delicate palette, really. The, the, the design of Hugo is really delicate, subtle, um, soft palette. And on, on the DVD, a, a single-layer DVD, it just looked really muddy all the colors bled together it didn't look pretty at all mm -mm. no think low tech that's another yeah. reason why the early comers um tend to do well is that a lot of these late movies are you know like avatar or gravity or life of pi or um they're they're theater movies and believe me if these guys are too lazy to put down 10 um nominees for best picture they're way too lazy to bother with going to a screening a lot of them yeah, the screener, I think so too. 
put the screener in front of them, have it look good on TV. It has to play on TV to win Best Picture. That's so. What movies important. will look good on TV this year? I think Boyhood it will look really good on TV. I, I think, think Boyhood has biggest, the intimacy and the and it's all close-ups, right? There's no big landscapes its, or anything. That's its biggest problem is that it won't play as well on on DVD because that's why they're trying so hard. That's why they're working so hard. That's why they've been for months and months getting out the the SAG screenings and the DGA screenings and the Academy screenings and have, that's why Patricia Arquette and is showing up at the screenings mm. for Q and A's to bring people out to see the movie because you're sitting at home and you're watching that movie. Um, it's going to be like watching paint dry in a lot of ways. I, mean, I was about to say, I have had it, even though it, the scale of the movie, it seems like it fits well on TV. The length of the movie does not to sit still at home, undistracted and not get up and walk out of the room for three hours or nearly three hours. is It's a difficult thing to ask people to do, yeah. but they will do it in a theater. Right. That's the thing. That's yeah. exactly mm-hmm. right. So I don't know if that helps it or hurts it. I don't know if it's going to win best picture. I don't know anything about this year yet. I just, all I know is that right now, it's in the number one spot to win. That doesn't mean that it will win. I'm just saying that it, I think it's it's got more going for it than um, Imitation Game, which we, we need to talk about that, but we can't do it now because you guys haven't seen it yet. Mm. Um, the sexuality thing is important with that. And uh, Theory of Everything is another movie that could win. Um, those two might cancel each other out because they're similar. They're British. They're, you know. Uh, About ge- two geniuses that have yeah. troubled lives. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so those are gonna those are gonna come in competition. Birdman, Birdman is fantastic, but it's not gonna win. This. I mean, come on. I it would be great if it did, but I mean, they're not that. The voters aren't that that evolved to pick something like that to win. It's a, that's um, a really great way to phrase it. I think the, evolu- the evolved part of, uh, of the academy, the typical academy taste, is not probably there yet. Yeah, he to might appreciate win, something that. Inari two might win director. Like if they want to split and they go um, imitation game for picture, they might go best director. Um, Inaritu for what he does, which is an incredible accomplishment. Um, mm-hmm. oh, and then, we, uh, did you mention Foxcatcher? And Foxcatcher is a brilliant film. Um, again, cold and dark and hard to uh, look at the last two winners, um, Gravity and Twelve Years a Slave. These are incredibly moving, heroic films, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to assume that, that the movie that wins is going to follow in that same tradition of the last winners that have come before it. I meant how, to ask you how, because um, I didn't see the coverage, how, how was Foxcatcher and Mr. Turner received at Telluride? Um, Foxcatcher is doing uh, really well. I think people are dazzled by the great acting in it and the um, filmmaking of it. That's going to be Good. the case with a lot of movies this year. There are a lot of them are going to fit into that category of incredible acting, incredible directing, but dark and bleak as hell and not uplifting. Okay, so that's going to be a big problem for a lot of quote-unquote big Oscar movies. But then you've got movies like Unbroken, um, you know, that are movies about heroes. And so it could be, it'll be an interesting year to see to see how that all goes down, how, how they're going to deal with these dark movies i think i think that there's that there's room for despite the fact that i just made a great argument for the heart light type of movie Mm -hmm. i think that there's also still going to be if you can get the actors 
to praise your film. It's really about that. If you can get them on your side, you have a really good shot at a Best Picture nomination, even if you're dark. Okay, they're going to pick Birdman for sure because it's about actors. They're going to love that. Foxcatcher is an undeniably brilliant ensemble piece. Like These are just fantastic, very popular actors. That one's in. Um, uh, uh, yeah, so I'm trying to think of what the other one is. That uh, there's is. Fury. Oh. Fury has a... It's Fury. all male cast, though, so I don't know about that. And we also don't know how, about how, how the heroism aspect is going to be handled in Fury, whether right. it's going to be how anti-war is going to... We know it's going to be anti-war, but we don't know right. whether it's going to be... Whether the heroes are going to be, like, dark, gray area heroes or not. Well, that's right. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to go down. Um, uh, but one to pay attention to is Wild with Reese Witherspoon because that that is a you know a strong female-driven film, and also The Homesman um, with right, yeah. the Tommy Lee Jones director, which didn't do so well coming out of Cannes. But again, that's a strong actor movie. You know, that's going to be oh, there's like, Selma. That's, we don't that's a love Selma. or hate it kind of film, though. Yeah, that's true. It is because I don't want to forget scene. mentioning Selma. And Selma's coming up, yeah. So um, there's a lot of movies coming up, but it's hard to talk about what's happening right now. Mr. Turner, I don't think it's catching on the way it should. So that I feel like that's fate unknown, that one. Um, it's, it didn't, that doesn't surprise me. And I, I, somebody asked me about likely Oscar snubs, and, and he was already my choice yeah. for somebody who deserves to be nominated and isn't going to. Yeah, in every category, absolutely. Um, I have a feeling that the actors are going to like A Most Violent Year just because of the fact that it, it, it looks like such good, meaty, rich roles for actors, really well-written, deep roles for actors that you don't ordinarily see very often. Yeah, and that's another one that's just coming in so late. You know, it's like... Uh, mm. You know, you just you just you can't talk about a movie until it's been seen, like Selma and this movie. Like nobody knows what these are going to be like. You know, we all we have is to go on is what we think. On people picking Unbroken to win Best Picture, well, you're really going to predict a movie that no one's seen to win Best Picture. You might get lucky, but there's no skill involved in that. Mm-hmm. It's I'm, pure I, 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 by by the time December gets here, everyone will have forgotten that I say this. But I'm just going to say I don't have a whole lot of faith in Unbroken for some reason. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not clicking with me i don't feel it yet but again we haven't seen it we don't know maybe it'll be fantastic the story is money if they do do a good job with the story then it then it has to be a contender because it's that it's that heroic good feeling movie that we're still kind of waiting for i just don't have a lot of faith and this is horrible because this makes me sound like a sexist but i don't have a lot of faith in angelina only because i feel like she's so untested as a director like she just has the one movie and i think you need more than that i mean unless roger deakins directed this thing it's like, which is possible, mm-hmm. but, um, or helped her a lot, you know, and she's got great friends. She's fucking Clint Eastwood's her good friend. So she probably has really good support and help. I just, as a Oscar watcher, if it, you know, it doesn't matter if she's a male or female, the fact that she's so untested, if she was a male actor in that same position, um, I'm a, and that's what people thought about Dances with Wolves before Dances with Wolves was seen. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's what people think about actors. They just don't really have a lot of faith that they can pull off something big like that. And Dances with Wolves is a lot of things, but it's not necessarily a well-directed movie. Just because right, he, he, he managed to win the Oscar does not mean that he was the best director that year, I don't think. But we're just talking about what's going to win Best Picture. So yeah, I'm mm-hmm, just saying yeah. that like she could, she could knock it out of the park, and, and it could be that it could work in her advantage if she if she has made a good movie it it could work to her advantage because i think because people underestimate actors when they do something that's pretty good they get extra credit sort of 
Yeah, if it's not as right. even if it's not a disaster, people would be saying, right. "Phew, you know, we we you know bit the bullet there." If it's not an embarrassment, dodge the bullet. It still has to be a good movie. So I mean, it has to be a good. Mo- it has to be a movie to win Best Picture. It has to be a movie that you can sit anybody down in front of, and they're going to be high on it. You know, um, the material's great. We'll see what she's done with it. Yeah, his yeah. life is is a great life story, and what a man! You know, what an amazing human being, Louis Zamperini is so that's an american hero for you that's one american hero going up against martin luther king jr um american sniper guy which i don't know if he's going to end up being a hero or not like i don't know how that story is going to go it it might be a dark story about a a crazy soldier you know like i don't know if if american sniper is going to be a movie about a hero um yeah i would be surprised if Clint Eastwood goes dark with this material. I would I would love it if he does. I think that's the only way that I will like the movie if he goes dark with it. If he tries to turn this guy into the um, just a golden hero, I'm not going to like it. I know right in advance. Well, he's pretty anti-war, but he's probably pro-gun. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking um, too. He is anti-war though, so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's that one's another big mystery. Um, I'm looking at the most violent year, wanting hoping that I was going to see that it was going to be premiering someplace like some kind of. Any kind of festival or someplace, but it looks like it's opening on December thirty first. Yeah. <laughs> My God, that's yeah. on New Year's Eve. It's going to be opening the last minute. Like that's that's crazy. And then they're going to have to start screening it, you know, so people can start seeing it. I don't know. That to me is just a huge question mark. I'm, um, you know, I I'm reserving conversations about Gone Girl until it plays in New York. You know, I don't even want to mm-hmm. talk about it until then. I don't want to jinx it, and. Um, uh, I, there's nothing I can say about that movie until until people. It's interesting that we've gone down this road, but we didn't really intend to go into it this deep. We were just going to talk about Telluride and then go on to 2011. But I'm glad we went there. I'm glad that we have kind of looked ahead. It was way more interesting than the year we were going. <laughs> yeah. um, way yeah. more interesting than the artist. I, I think. I just. Yeah, I mean, should... for me, the movie to win Best Picture is like the it's like the most insubstantial, fluffiest little trinket ornament bauble of a movie to win best picture in in recent memory i think the artist nothing wrong with it it's hard to hate the movie but i just don't it just seems like it's this so little substance there so i agree with that i think it's a fine movie i'll probably never watch it again i might show it to emma someday see what she thinks of it because i I do think it's a charming film and that talk about a movie you can show anybody that movie Mm -hmm. um but but for me this year was taken up and consumed by the uh throwdown between um viola davis in the help and uh meryl streep in the iron lady i just really felt it was time for them to award a black actress um in uh, in a film and and i felt that she was punished for the controversy surrounding the film which i did not think was fair i don't think that that um black actors or women should have to carry that albatross when when fucking hollywood can't get their shit together to figure it out and when the social justice bloggers and the and the uh, the politically correct armies want everything to be Right, she was caught in between. It, it wasn't white people didn't like it, black people didn't like it. Nobody liked it. Well, it made a hundred and seventy million dollars, you know, and she was incredible in it and memorable and deserved to win. On the other hand, Meryl Streep is Meryl Streep, and and she um, she was going for it, and they they kind of split the awards. Viola Davis won the SAG, Meryl Streep won the BAFTA, you know, and people were were split on it. In the end. 
voters, I think, went with Street because A, she was overdue, and B, she had a bigger part. And I will say too, if we can, if I can just back up a minute and kind of play editorial a little bit. It, 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 for a movie to make $170 million, a lot of white people and a lot of black people did like it. But who right. didn't like it were the black intellectuals and the white intellectuals who right. didn't like it. Those uh, intellectual elites who are writing about the movies from a, from a sociopolitical point of view are the people who didn't like it. Regular people liked the help. Yeah, I still like yeah. it. It's yeah. one of the few yeah. movies uh-huh. I will I hated it. it, but I loved Viola Davis in it. And, I, and as a longtime Meryl Streep fan, her... Iron Lady is one of her worst movies, and it's one of my least favorite of her performances. Yeah. And and it still kind of shocks me that she won over Viola Davis. It's crazy because we watch that movie, and you can kind of see Streep not liking the character she's playing. Like it just to me, it just came off that way. Like yes, it's always she's always brilliant. She's brilliant in everything. You can give her an mm-hmm. Oscar for anything she's ever done, but that was not one of her. Especially compared to Julie, her Julia Child, which was so right. Great. You could tell she loved and reveled in playing that character. But I know what you mean. It seems like that she's almost like she wanted to, she wanted to go dark with the character, but the script didn't allow it with yeah. uh, the Iron Lady. And I get that the help is you know um, yet more maids. I do get that. But what I saw in that movie was a film that hired a whole lot of women about women stories that completely told um, from their point of view. It, it was the Bechdel test defined in a dictionary uh black characters white characters women it was delicious um for them and it was it was to me an exception to what we see in film and even though margaret thatcher is a woman she was an iron woman she was a woman made of iron she was a woman made of penis you know margaret thatcher is a woman who's as much like a man as any man look at every other film that was up that year Look at all what they have in common. The Artist, Tree of Life, The Descendants, Extremely Loud, Incredibly Close, Hugo, Midnight in Paris, Moneyball, War Horse, and The Help. What do they all mm. have in common? Sausage Fest. Yep. Mm. About a guy. So the yeah. one movie that was about women, that's the one that people heaped all their shit on. So that bugged me. You know, I wasn't ready to just say, yeah, The Help deserves to be sunk because it's not about a, a guy, straight white guy. Um, anyway, that's all I wanted to say about that. Also, I mean, I mean, I, as much as I respect what Meryl Streep does, and when a movie is that, it, when, a, when a character is that covered up with, with uh, prosthetics, it's, it's just one step away from motion capture. <laughs> you know, it really is. <laughs> when you so cannot true. see any part of her face that's not covered up with 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 a with a prosthetic device, then it's really it's too much like a Madame Tussauds kind of thing for me. Why it's a waxworks it? figure. Why isn't it? That's so funny. It is almost <laughs> it is almost motion capture. You could almost say that like that was that was a performance that belonged to the um, makeup makeup. The special effects. <laughs> it was a visual effects performance. Did it win makeup? Let's see. I must have. Let me look here. Uh, uh, it had to, wouldn't it? I'm sure it did. Um, I can't remember. I don't know, but remember Saving Face? That won the documentary short. Oh, so painful to watch that movie. Um, <laughs> why can't I find makeup here? Let's see. Yes, it won makeup. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> makeup. The makeup artist won 
Co Co won Best Actress. Yeah. My favorite thing about this year, actually, this was the year that I attended the Oscars, the only time I've ever attended them, and I was in the press room. I didn't get to, of course, go into the Kodak, but um, but I was there in the press room getting really drunk. And I remember being so happy when Dragon Tattoo won editing <laughs> because it was the first film since, like, Bullet in the 1960s to win editing without a Best Picture nomination. Like, it just never happened. Or, no, mm -hmm. Best Picture... I think, it, I think maybe the Born Supremacy or the Born, no, born no, no, Ultimatum did also, but no, it's really no, rare. No, 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 You're right, it's really finish. rare. There's another... There's another... Um, there's a caveat. It, it's the only Oscar that the film won. Okay, and it wasn't right. nominated for Best Picture. Like with, with Matrix and Born, and they all won a bunch of texts. But Dragon Tattoo only won editing, and the only mm -hmm. other movie to do that was Bullet. Mm, I, just I see. Think it's okay. so cool. Yeah, it is. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So that was cool. That was, a, that was the only really positive thing of that Oscars for me was that one award. <laughs> I really do think, and maybe people don't vote this way, but I know that I would, if I had a ballot, I would vote this way. I would still be so stung from the previous year when the social network lost that I would be looking to give Dragon Tattoo anything that I could. I would, I would still be filling out my 2010 ballot in 2011. I would still be wanting to give Fincher awards a year later yeah, they, because of the way won, that I felt like he was. They went back to back. And that's the thing is I think that people were horrified that it didn't get a Best Picture nomination and that that's why they threw their support around it, which I like mm -hmm. to see because it does show that they, there is a lot of strong support for, for David Fincher. And then Especially in the Directors Guild who really should know more than anybody who, what they're talking about, right? Right, right. Um, they were all really surprised by that, though, that he got that. Nobody in the on the team thought it was going to get any Oscar nominations at all. Um, mm. Least of all, they they were you know for it to get a Rooney Mara. That was a really big deal for them. Um, it was a big deal, yeah. So, George Clooney was supposed to win um, his Best Actor Oscar for The Descendants, but remember he he kept winning and it kept being divided up between the two of them. And oh yeah, right. Finally, at the last minute, Jean Dujardin pulled it through. <laughs> I forget. I can't even remember if, what the what the criticism for the Descendants was. I just thought that it was a little bit of a. It was a very mediocre. It was, it was an okay movie. It's nothing wrong with the Descendants, but it wasn't outstanding. So maybe that was the backlash that it just wasn't outstanding it's one enough. Of those, it's one of those things. It's like up in the air when it it comes from too high up. That's all I say. You got to sneak past the alien. When mm. it comes from too high a place, and the expectations are too high. It becomes much easier and easier to criticize it and to find things wrong with it. People want to pick it apart. That's, that's why 12 Years a Slave, when Kyle Buchanan predicted it to win out of Toronto, I just like was pinching myself. Please no, because that meant suddenly it was out front. And of course, very predictably, the critics went after it and they started awarding anything. Well, not most critics still awarded 12 Years a Slave, but the big time critics, the big city critics, LA, New York, and the National Society did not award 12 Years a Slave, and that is only because it was considered a de facto frontrunner for the Oscars. And mm -hmm. that takes away the sex appeal, and nobody wants to be a foregone conclusion. And the only way they're going to vote for something that they know is headed for Oscar is if it's too big to ignore, and there's nothing they can do about mm -hmm. it. They have to. Maybe that's why. That's the only I'm trying still I'm still stuck on why a most violent year is, is opening on December 31st. Maybe that's what they're counting on. That it it does look to me like a critics movie. It does look like a movie that the critics are going to love. And so if the critics don't have any reason to turn against it and they won't in the, the beginning of December, then it can do really well with the critics awards. Well, I can tell you something about that movie that I know for sure is that mm. it's not they're not sitting on it. 
It's not ready to be seen. He's tinkering. I mean, he, they've been working on oh, okay. it all this time. Yeah, it's barely finished. It's wet, is what they call it. Oh, uh, okay. It's still wet. It's not even a dry print. They don't even have a print to show people right now. So I like the sound of that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that, too. It's wet. But, um, but so, yeah, the, it's not done. I mean, that's why mm. they're waiting until the last possible minute. Plus, I think that they got burned with all his loss last year. Uh, they were one of the two out of Cannes that uh, did the whole year. They spent their entire year campaigning for that fucking movie. And mm. Robert Redford did not show up. He didn't show up to any of the events. And he's the only thing in the movie. So yeah. if he doesn't mm-hmm. show up, how are they going to go on J.C. Chandor's charm? You know? So I think that for them, it really took a lot of the, other than the fact that the movie's plain old not done, but I also think that they sort of see it as a, it was a useless and waste of their time to go through all that when, um, obviously, ironically, with this kind of movie, it would have done them just fine. But with a movie with Robert Redford that where he wasn't going to show up, they're kind of hamstrung, you know, nothing they can do about that campaign-wise. But I also think that in their mind, they're thinking, you know, it's not even worth it, really, because look what happened to us. We didn't get, we got like a sound nomination. That was it. No best mm-hmm. picture, no director, no actor. You know, so. Um, I think I'm, I can just see in advance that I'm really, probably, really going to like a most violent year. I'm really looking forward to it. What I like about it, you know, I, I did that tweet a couple of days ago that um, in, uh, what was it, 1979, American Hustle takes place. Um, Argo takes place in 79 and 80. No Country for Old Men takes place in 1980. And A Most Violent Year takes place in 1981. But what I like about No Country for Old Men and A Most Violent Year is they don't look like, it doesn't look like Halloween dress up to playing, like playing the, the high school 1970s day, you know? Yeah. It doesn't, they're not making a big deal about the fact that it's in an era. They, they, you, you know that it's in the era. You know it takes place in 1981, but it's not just glommed on it's not they're not they don't slather it on too hard right it's um absolutely true and also he's a you know in jc chandor i trust like he's his last two movies have been wonderful he worked on he worked on um, margin call for 10 years before he put that movie to to film he's a very careful filmmaker and a smart filmmaker so i i think i hope it's i'm looking forward to seeing it just to see it you know but it's gonna Mm -hmm. be great I think we lost Craig. He's here. Oh, he's here? Okay. Um, what else is in, uh, can we talk about for 2001 that we've, no, 2011 that we skipped, that we, did, uh, that we didn't talk about yeah, yet? Yeah, we've got 10 minutes left here, I think, if we're sticking to it. should hour. mention Glenn Close, because Ryan brought her up earlier. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you were recording at the time, but I felt kind of bad for her this year because it was her... Albert Knobs was like this total passion project for her, and she hadn't really get, had any Oscar traction since the end of the 80s. Yeah. But as we all know, she's had six nominations and never won, and this was her most recent. And unfortunately, it just wasn't a very good movie. It wasn't. Uh, I'm so sorry. And it also became a punchline. Yeah. It, 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 there was, there was, there it was a, um, a punchline. It had a smack of desperation about it, too. It seemed like she was just trying really too hard. To finally get that Oscar, and whether that's yeah. true or not, I can't. I, I won't say that. That that's not fair of me to even think that. But that's that's the impression that that it kind of gave off. That was the it's the kind of movie that sure. that a lot of people do make in order to go after an Oscar. Whether that was her motivation or not, we don't know. But that's it's a type of movie that 
that fits the Oscar profile. It turned into that joke about, it turned into a joke about, you know, what actors do to, it was like really literally like everybody joking about the Oscars had to make it on Albert Nobbs. And if you were to make, if the onion were to make a fake trailer of an Oscar bait movie, it would be Albert Nobbs. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it even like showed up. This movie was like so tiny and cost nothing. And all it was, was a, you know, a passion project for her and she was great in it. It's just, I don't know what it was. If it was the name, it was just a funny name, or the way she looked on the poster, or I, you know, I don't know. But it just, it just didn't. You don't. You never want to become a joke during Oscar. Like that's just not, not a good plan. You know, <laughs> not a good campaign strategy to be to be mocked. <laughs> like all of Oscar season and everything was put on that movie. Like this is what's wrong with the Oscars. <laughs> knobs oh and my like people that i know were making jokes about it that didn't even know about the oscar race they were making jokes it's just like so strange um but anyway <laughs> it is great that the artist won five oscars and hugo won five oscars i had forgotten yeah. that but it, it is pretty cool that it, even though that hugo didn't win the big ones the big the, the more important Top tier Oscars. It won five Oscars. That's, I know. that's fantastic. I love it when movies that we advocate hard for win Oscars. It always makes me happy because yeah. <laughs> we were really a team Hugo all the way, you know, all the mm -hmm. way. It, I, the only thing that was disappointing about Oscar night that night, I remember when they when they handed out the the uh, award for best art direction and it went to the artist. Then when the tide had turned, because really I thought that I yeah. thought that Hugo was a shoe in for best art direction. I know I should have won Art Direction. Oh my god! It really god. should have. It's so embarrassing that it didn't. It's embarrassing yeah. for them. I know. Of all the things it should have won, like that's the number one thing. But right. um, Hugo is a beautiful film. It, it's so much bigger and better than the Oscar race. Like it doesn't even, really doesn't even. It didn't even really need to be uh, qualified by that race, like it, or defined by it. Like it's just bigger than that. You know, mm -hmm. it's bigger and better. Uh, and you know you could say the same about the artist really it's bigger and better like in a way like it's not making it a best picture diminishes it you know well, i misspoke um, um somebody's bound to catch me on this uh, uh the artist did not win best art direction but it won best costume design that's what i'm thinking of it won oh, best no. costume design oh, which hugo which hugo also should have won did, did hugo win art direction I think that it did, so, well, we so maybe it wasn't so embarrassing <laughs> for the Academy after all. I think. Oh, Let me God. look here. It must but have it, been uh, the artist direction. won best costumes, and um, Hugo won best art direction. Okay, so okay, God. there we go. Yeah, so that's a relief. Because that's good. Direction, Dante Ferretti, uh -oh, who's fantastic. He's the best. Um, yeah, that that team, that Scorsese team, uh, cinematography yeah. and art direction often go together. As it turns yep. out, and nowadays, mm -hmm. cinematography, art direction, and special effects often go together. I don't know if they did on this. Probably not. But we just talked about the cinematography well, yeah, a little bit because of all the movies in the in the three D fad. Uh, Hugo is one of the few to actually use the three dimensions in a thoughtful, artistic way. It wasn't mm -hmm. just bells and whistles. He was actually, you know, thinking about. Visual planes and the placement of the camera, and the way the ca the camera would move in and around objects, and um, it, it 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 I lost my train of thought. And the but. way that I think the way for me the way that three D had a, an emotional arc to it, it was used more often to have emotional impact instead of visceral impact. 
Right. You know, if things weren't jumping out of the screen at you for no reason, they jumped out at you at a moment when, when it, to grab your heart. Right. He didn't wasn't just trying to make things look three dimensional. He was actually trying to dive into the three D, like Cameron did with um, with Avatar and and also Quaron with Gravity. Like these three directors took three D um, to enhance their story, not just to mm-hmm. make things look oh wow look I can touch it, but really actually to find a new dimension in their film and of storytelling. It's almost an existential use of three D because it made you consider what what the plane what the what the movie plane the plane of the movie screen what that what that means and what it is it made you think about it thematically instead of just as a as a as a fun device or a trick right right so there you go uh two small bright spots as far as that evening is concerned is the supporting acting categories Christopher Plummer for Beginners and uh, Octavia Spencer for The Help were both mm. excellent choices, I thought, and, and sort of re- sort of helped redeem the evening for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was happy for Octavia Spencer to win, and, and Christopher Plummer, God, he just won. Both of them were just, they started winning early, and they just won everything all the way through. Um, the only real suspense of the race was in the lead categories, George Clooney versus Jean Dujardin, and... Vela Davis versus Meryl Streep. Um, they're friends, you know, and, and I'm sure it was hard for Meryl Streep being the feminist and the advocate that she is to play that game against Viola Davis. It probably really was a bittersweet thing for her to win the Oscar because she was, it's time, and to <clears throat> see Viola Davis lose. And, and to date, there's only been one black actress to win lead. I believe you're right about that. I think that Meryl Streep not only was a supporter of Viola Davis, but she was actually promoted her from the time that they were in doubt together. Yeah, I know. I know. And she advised her and everything. Like, they were close. And I don't think that Viola Davis ever thought anything negative, obviously, about Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep's fans, on the other hand, are pretty vicious uh, Brood. They they were hardcore. That was a hardcore year fighting. Them. It was a vicious year. It was exciting. Just to stand, you just could just stand back and watch it. I didn't even want to even get in the middle of it because it would be uh, just dangerous to get in the middle of that argument with the readers. That was hardcore. That would be like if uh, well, let's just not go there. But <laughs> there are a couple of this year that um, that have that kind of fan base. And right, yeah. Oh my gosh, this year is going to be. It, it could it has the potential actor. to be the same thing again. <laughs> Fans are the worst. Best they ruin actor. everything. <laughs> I don't even want to mention the names because we don't want to even stir that stir that up yet. It's going to okay. stir up on its own. Yeah, but I'll just say best actor. Yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> That's going to be. <laughs> That's going to be an incredibly contentious, very competitive category this year. Of course, like it is every year because every movie's about men. But this year, I mean, you've already got incredible performances um i like the i like what's coming up for best actor though because it's going to bring a lot of new, new i think it's going to bring a lot of new visitors to the site who haven't been to the site before it, it already is it's already doing that i know people are really excited that yeah. um i have to say that i i agree with you craig on one hand about fans but i've seen some fan bases that i thought are really really supportive like Kristen stewart has an amazing fan base they love her so much and they are so supportive of her they're on the lookout all always for positive stuff they're not mean they're not vicious they don't come at you and and, uh insult you or try to you know um like the Meryl Streep 
sense. But um, so she should feel. I hope she knows that she has this fan base because they're they're really her protectors. They love her. Yeah. I got cut off there for a minute. Did you, so you heard me say protective. They're protective. Did, yeah. yeah. No, I didn't hear yeah. you say that. I, I was saying it, but I didn't hear you. Okay. Say okay. I got cut off because oh. I was repeating you. No, I mean I agree. They're very protective okay. of her, and she's she's really lucky to have them. And it's nice to know that their that their that their love for her is justified. That's another that's another happy situation. Right. That, yeah. To see that she's doing good work and she's getting recognized mm-hmm. for that good work, and she wasn't trashed by um, that stupid scandal. Which can you imagine if that had derailed her career? How lame would that be? Mm, terrible. So you know she's she's a lucky girl. You know she's a really lucky girl. Speaking of which, poor Jennifer Lawrence. Poor Jennifer Lawrence. This horrible thing with this nude photos, I think. Oh, we haven't talked since all that happened, have we? And that's terrible, yeah. The only good thing about it, and not that there isn't, there's nothing good about it, but the only thing that's not terrible about it is that the, the early talk that was going to damage anybody's career, I think, was really wrong. I don't think yeah. it's going to damage anybody's career. No, it's not. It's just, it's just mm-hmm. to me, it's like, and of course, being a curious person, I had to go look at the photos. It's just really sad to me because her photos are like so vulnerable and so um, like not sexy, you know, like not trying to be sexy. They're just they're so intimate. That's what's Mm -hmm. so startling about them is they're just they're these, you know, she's just this kid, you know. A lot of a lot of selfies are people trying to be trying to be overtly sexy, but these were not. This is Mm -hmm. something very personal and intimate. I, I saw them too. Because I didn't think they'd be as bad as they w- were. I, the only reason I looked is because, well, they can't be that bad. I thought we were going to see some nipples is what I thought we would see. But yeah. it, when it turned out to be more than that, I was sorry that I looked. I know. Same here. Of all of them, all the ones that they that they posted were, were like, that's too much information. Like, no, you don't. Oh. For me, it just played into this whole gross internet man thing. This just, just weird, disgusting, creepy male-dominated internet culture mm-hmm. and it, at the same time that that, that this 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 that, that all these pictures were released there's been this controversy going on with this um female game designer who mm-hmm. had been rumored to be having an affair with somebody or somebody in the industry and it just blew up into this weird misogynist gross anti-woman thing yeah. and it, it, this keeps happening on the internet and it's it's really it's freaking me out a little bit. It, it, there, there's this weird, I don't know, there's, there's it ties all these shootings that are happening and just these, these nerdy, gross men who are all pissed off and just doing these horrible things. And the internet just, just fans the flames. And it's, it's I don't know, I, I keep know. using the words gross and weird, but that's what it is. I didn't realize how much, I mean, I, you know I'm always like talking about misogyny and stuff, but on some level you think it's so deeply buried and ingrained that it doesn't really show its face. But these situations have really shown a very loud and entitled generation, couple of generations of men who, who seem to really not only hate women, but resent um, losing any kind of power. And uh, even the men, men who who love women, I think, have a shocking disrespect for women. But they seem to hate them. Like if you a go lot of, on some the, do, the, yeah, for sure. The four chan boards to read mm-hmm. what they write about these women that that they mm-hmm. took pictures of. First of all, 
Why aren't there any dick pics? I mean, why why didn't they? That's what I want to know, really. Because you know they're being taken. Right, <laughs> of course, sure. way more. But like the mm-hmm. but but it's like you saying, Craig. It's this invasion thing, this creepy kind of. I mean, it's uh, yes, okay. You can't say sexual assault, but there's something about it that is more than just I want to see a naked woman. It's uh, I want to humiliate them i want to and and i have a right to i deserve it because they're celebrities and i can take anything i want from them you know yeah you know and they're they're and it it it's gone on for years even before selfies became a thing i mean there was a there was porn fads of like upskirt pictures and like creepy dudes going to the mall to get shots of 13 year olds underwear and just 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 this weird it's like the invasion has to be a part of it to for absolutely because yeah it's not as if there's any shortage of porn on the internet people can see millions and millions and millions of pictures of naked women but right. the thrill of, of that these guys get out of this is they're ch- getting to see the pictures against the will of the subject exactly and that's what they like that's what they get mm-hmm. off on they get off on it's like bullying you know it's bullying they get off on that fact of of having violated and embarrassed and humiliated these women i think yeah um, it's like you're walking up to somebody on the red carpet and ripping their gown off that's why i hope I, you know, I really I like the attitude of women who, who just won't give them that satisfaction. Mm-hmm. You know, they won't yeah. hide. They won't say a word. They won't acknowledge in any way that this is a problem for them. But I looked at those Jennifer Lawrence pictures and, and fucking what's her name? Uh, poor Kate Upton, like beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. Kate Upton with jizz on her back. Like, really? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you should see some of the photos <laughs> But I have like my photo. I have like a decade worth of the worst career ruining, you know, I mean, so nobody could ever, ever stand in judgment of them and say, oh, well, they shouldn't have taken those pictures or yes, I agree that like in this day and age, we should be. Um, we should be wary of our privacy, but I was thinking it was on their phone. I had no idea that these guys were breaking into their fucking computers. Their yeah, iPhone. it's really almost just really like they broke in into the um, into their wall safe at home. You yeah, know? that's right. And that, that's, that's their they private. That's their private computer. They have a yeah. right to believe that that's private. You know. Yeah. Um, and then then Apple turns around and kind of blames them by saying, "Oh, their passwords were too easy to to break." Well. You know, it's not good enough, Apple. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you know. But I just felt bad for her. I felt bad for her. It made me want to, like, I just, those photos of her, of Jennifer Lawrence specifically, like, some of them are, like, you know, Kate Upton maybe, and some of them are, you know, they're, they're really flirty and they're really sexy and they're very much girls pushing the envelope and really wanting to be provocative. But you didn't see that with Jennifer Lawrence. You didn't see it in her face and you don't see it in her body. You just see... They were really candid. They, they were, were really candid, candid and they shots. Were private, you know. Yeah, they weren't posed. She wasn't posing. She was just caught in the moment. And she might have just been experimenting with herself, yeah. not even to yeah. send to someone, you know. Mm. I mean, I mean, obviously she was posing, but I don't mean she she wasn't projecting. She wasn't projecting, except to the person she was in the in the room alone with. I know. It just makes me so mad for some reason. I know she's fine. She's Jennifer Lawrence. She's seen Chris Martin. Everything's fine. 
But for some reason, her photos of all, you know, just really, really bothered me and, and infuriated me. That And then these guys are still on there being like, more pictures, more pictures, more celebrity pictures, you know. Somebody I heard, I can't remember the name offhand, some actress today, more more photos were leaked. I can't remember more who it is. Her, huh? More Jennifer Lawrence and Kim Kardashian, but Kim Kardashian mm. has a whole sex tape out. It's not like, you know, but... Um, but yeah, that bothered me, and they're still going after her. So I hope that people realize now and take all that shit off their computers if they're famous, because those guys will get a hold of it. And it's almost yeah. like even if they couldn't get into their computers, it's almost like they'd break into their houses just to get that stuff. Like that's how much they they want it, you know. Thing is, though, is it's, it's happened so often now. I mean, when when. The first couple of times that it happened, it seemed to make waves for a, a lot longer of a period of time than this is. This was like a mass release of a bunch of different people, including some really high-profile people. And it was, you know, it was buzzed about for a few days, and then it kind of just dropped off. I mean, they're yeah, still yeah. talking about it, but it's not... I, I think the... the, the it, I, I like to think that maybe the thrill of it is gone and that it, it's not having the same impact that it used to. I think so, too. And I do think that there was sort of an agreed upon by civilized people um, not to talk about it and not to publish stuff about it. Like Jeff Wells, he's like the guy who loves celebrity, new, naked celebrities more than anything, never said a word about it, not one thing. So the less that gets fed into it, I think, the more um, the more it quickly it goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost I'm, I almost thought that that what you said was not correct, but what I remember happening is that some of uh, Wells' readers on his site brought it up, but he Wells himself never mentioned it, and I don't even think he responded to the other to the comments on his site about it. He never did. He never brought it up. Mm-hmm. Never asked me about it. You know, mm-hmm. knowing that I could find them pretty easily, but no, he never not a word. Just total quiet about it. Mm-hmm. So. I think that more people did that. It seemed like it to me anyway. Like it just wasn't on appearing on websites because I think that people realized that if they did that, they were going to start getting attacked for for feeding into it and giving it the time of day, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. kind of nice to see. There's 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 sort of a bright light on the horizon there with people kind of unifying to to not make it as big a deal about it. Maybe. Do you think? Right. Yeah. I. I I I I like when some actresses come out and they make a a, a a dignified statement that has some some uh, some punch to it. I just found out I remembered that it was Gabriel Union whose photos were leaked today, and she made a pretty good statement today. She says, "Come to our attention." It was photos of her and her husband. She says, "Come to our attention that our private moments that were shared and deleted solely between my husband and myself have been leaked by some vultures." I can't help but to be reminded that since the dawn of time, women and children, specifically women of color, have been victimized and the power over their own bodies taken from them. These atrocities against women and children continue worldwide. So that you know, it's a pretty significant statement to make and i I respect that i just think it's i agree with you you guys it's just gross it's gross people are gross it's uncivilized world now and what you said too sasha i'm surprised i mean we all we hear all the time about the misogyny on the internet and i almost like it's so we hear about it so much that i shrug it off because i'm not really subjected to it that much i don't have those people i don't those twitter followers that don't follow me i don't interact with them i i don't i'm sort of in a bubble and i don't get to be confronted by that but when i when something like what you were talking about, Craig, about the the gamer situation and then these leaked photos, the they're almost like militant. The misogynists almost became militant about their their right to to say and do this. 
You know, it's shocking to see. They do, and they still do. Mm. If you go on 4chan, Mm. you'll see that exact entitlement and on Reddit. Mm. Um, But a lot of people have been humiliated and shamed for doing just that. So that's, again, nice to see. Um, But it is. It's crazy. Misogyny. It's... it's, um, it's ingrained. It's deeply, deeply ingrained. Did we announce to the listeners that we're probably going to skip 2012 and 2013 or what? Um, we're either going to skip or, or reduce both years to one podcast. And just quite a, because we feel like that we've already discussed them on podcasts in the past couple of years, right? Yeah, the whole year. And it seems like we're going to be retreading the same ground. Yeah, and most people remember moving through those years anyway. Um, mm-hmm. as recently as we have. So what's going to happen probably in the next little while is that we're in Oscar season now, so we're probably going to be devoting a lot of our conversation to that. Um, and we'll we'll have to decide at what point we're going to fly back to the early part of the Oscars. Yay! That should be fun. Um, hopefully we'll be able to do it concurrent with this current with this year. It might be kind of fun to do that. Otherwise we'll wait until it's over to, to start back in. Do you mean do parallel where we talk about the current year and the past, go back in the past also at the same time? Maybe, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, Maybe, I would yeah, be up for that if we think that we can swing it. We'll have um, to talk about that and see how yeah. our scheduling is. And Other than that, it's been a treat, my friends. You've been listening to episode 72 of Oscar Podcast with Craig Kennedy, Ryan Adams, and Sasha Stone from awardsdaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Oscar Podcast.